Hey, happy new year, Circle Drive. Hope you guys are good. What an incredible, incredible year we've just had. Who would have thought at the beginning of 2020 we'd have gone through what we've been through? Some people have barely survived, and yet some others have, have thrived through the year as well. And what a major difference that's been for many of us. Hopefully, Dee and I soon will be in Saskatoon. We're still here in, uh, in Newcastle at the moment, uh, but we're really excited to be with you in heart, even though not in body at the moment. So for the first time at Circle, I do get to say, are you ready to come around the Word of God, Church? Before we do that, can we pray together? Father God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you, God, that we are in your house, even though it is across technology and actually across oceans as well. God, we pray that as we, as we get into your word, Lord, our hearts will be stirred. And I pray, God, for those particularly that may feel right at this moment far from you. I pray, God, that what has been said and, and even across the whole service, that something will draw them into your presence. And I also pray for those that don't know you. God, that again, something that's said, done or experienced here right in this moment, God, will draw them to you and God, that they will see you maybe for the first time and give their lives to you. In the name of Jesus, we agree together and say, Amen. It was about 2 a.m. on the 8th of July in um, 2012 and I was in bed and I was asleep. And there was a rattling at the window and I jumped up, got such a shock. I jumped up and Dee was there and we looked out and there was Dee's best friend and she'd been throwing stones at the window. And what she did, she came, she, we went, ran downstairs and, and she came in and she said, I've got some really bad news. And she unfolded the story of one of our young guys, Nathan. And I've mentioned this before, but He'd been killed in a car accident on the way home from a wedding that we'd all, all been at the day before. And so at that moment, uh, I got dressed and, you know, we, I think we said a quick prayer together and I rushed over to the parents' house and again we were there and we prayed together. We were waiting for the police to come and the police came and then escorted us through to the hospital. And at that moment, I was there with, with Nathan's parents and we identified the body and they'd already asked me to pray. And this was an, a, an amazing moment. I was terrified, but they asked me to pray for him to be raised uh, back to life. He wasn't, unfortunately. We, we prayed that prayer of faith. And then took them back to the house and a lot of things unfolded during that day and I had to be backwards and forwards and all over the place. And a bit later on that day, I was going back to the house yet again and I had a conversation with a guy who definitely wasn't a Christian. And he asked the question, how do they cope? He wasn't asking how are they coping, but he asked the question, how do they cope? And I just simply said, hey, there's two things. Firstly, the first thing that they hold on to is their faith. But there's another thing as well that holds them and that is their connection to the church. And those two things are the things that they hold on to and that held them at that time. And so, you know, over this next month, we want to look at what holds our heart and what our heart can be held by. 
We're going to have some heart-to-heart chats. Hopefully, the way that we're doing it today and over the next few weeks will we'll engage many of you in, in looking at how this last year has been. You see, this year, if nothing else, has shown us, a bit like Nathan's family, what we need to lean on and what we need to lean into. We need to lean on Jesus, but we need to lean into our church community as well. But for us, for D&I and our kids, actually 2020 wasn't as bad as 2019. It felt like 2019 was a complete roller coaster for us. And in the words of our queen, Queen Elizabeth II, 2019 when it was an annus horribilis, as she described one of her years, You see, 2019 was a year where I could have walked away from ministry. It was a year that I felt was a year of betrayal. It was a year of not knowing who to trust, a year of family death, a year of sickness. It was a year where I felt that those that maybe had once loved us seemed to hate us at the time. It was a year of losing myself, a year where it seemed like every choice I made was the wrong one. It was a year of losing friendships. A year where dreams seemed to die. A year of countless dinner parties and, and, par- and, and other parties that we just weren't invited to. It was a year of watching my peers being propelled into places of influence and fruitfulness, yet me having to step back into the shadows and insignificance. It was a year of people leaving. A year it felt where it felt like every prayer didn't, it didn't even hit the ceiling. It just dropped through the floor. A year who, where people who once wanted to spend time with us seemed to have better things to do. <laughs> and it was one of those years where every Sunday I had off, when I came back and heard about it, it was the best Sunday ever. Now the problem was some of those things weren't reality. Many of them were, were my perception of reality. Some were my fault, but one or two were actual reality. And for us as a family, it felt like we crawled through to the end of 2019 and managed to to collapse across the line into 2020, hoping that 2020 was going to be a better, better year. But for many of you this year, this has been your annus horribilis, an incredibly tough year for you, I would say. There's been uncertainty about jobs and finance and for some of you, a lack of family contact, a lack of church community, uh, particularly with in-person meeting. There's been death and sickness in families. of You haven't been able to get there and comfort each other during that time. And I know for some of you, there have been COVID-related deaths to those of you within your extended community. And again, some of the things have been reality for you, but some have been your perception or our perception of reality. You see, there's, there's the rational fear, isn't there? We should be afraid of a virus. And then there's the irrational fears that come through that are hyped up by the media and by the internet. But, but Jesus. You see, in the Bible, Jesus warned us and he prepared us for such times because We don't live in Legoland where everything is awesome. There are some incredible gifts that Jesus left us with when he went to the Father. And three of those gifts help us to take heart in times like these. You see, we have his word to guide and teach us, his spirit to comfort and empower us, and his body to support 
and grow us. Let me read for you John 16, verse 33. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and this is just before his death. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is preparing his disciples for what is about to come. Imagine if he's, he's here with us at the beginning of 2020 and he's trying to prepare us for COVID in the same way he was, he was warning his disciples for what they were about to face. And if you can imagine that, Jesus standing at the, the, uh, the outset of 2020, warning us and saying, okay, guys, there's, there's actually going to be a virus, a disease that sweeps the earth. And in that time, friends are actually going to turn against each other when, when the demand, some demand that everyone wears a mask and other ones say that you're taking away our civil liberties when you make me wear a, wa- a mask. Businesses will actually collapse. Church doors will incredibly be closed. Families will be not allowed to have contact. But take heart. Don't allow fear or anxiety and worry to to constrict and control your decisions and control ultimately your life. Jesus is saying, have courage. The trouble that you're facing in this world, it's actually going to be okay because I, I have already won the victory over this trouble. How incredible is that even when Jesus was telling them to take heart, he knew that they would lose heart. I want you to to get a hold of that. At that moment when Jesus is saying, take heart, he knew not long after that, that everyone that he was talking to was going to lose heart. He knew that their spirits would fail them, that they would desert, deny and betray him. So let me say this, wherever your head and heart have been this last year, Jesus knew and still says to you, take heart. I've overcome all those things that would seek to cause you to lose your peace and succumb to fear. I don't know if you've grasped the full extent of what Jesus is doing here. And if you remember only one thing that I say to you today, I want you to remember this. In this moment in time, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's saying this. He's saying, I am not just with you when you look most like me. I'm actually with you when you look least like me, when you run away, when you, when you deny me, when you live afraid, when you retreat instead of advancing. See, Romans 5 verse 8, Paul encapsulates it and he says, while we were yet sinners, while we, while we were still least like Jesus, God demonstrated his love for us in that Christ died for us. Even when your heart has gone, You can retrieve it, not because you're fearless and you've garnered up some courage from somewhere, but because I, Jesus, have already gained the victory for you. Again, Romans 8, Paul talking to the Roman church, Romans 8, 37, a really well-known verse says this, we are more than conquerors. That means we are victorious, even though we haven't fought the battle, it's actually been won for us. Jesus says in that previous verse, have peace. And I don't know about you, that that doesn't really sound like me over the last couple of years. If we just read the verse without the context that Jesus is telling telling his followers to be courageous, but 
when we understand the fuller context of what Jesus is saying, he's saying in this world, you will have trouble. You'll fail. You'll fall. You'll put other things before me. You will fall to fear. But how incredible is that? That three-letter word, but take heart. Have courage. I have overcome this world. In fact, I've overcome your failings, your fallings, your denial, and your fear. Because even when you fall short, I'm enough. Joel Houston, Hillsong, one of the Hillsong worship pastors, many of you will have sung some of his songs over the years, wrote a song called Take Heart. Let me read the words to you. So take heart. Let his love lead us through the night. Hold on to hope. Take courage again. All our troubles, all our tears. God our hope, he has overcome. All our failures and all our fear. God our love, he has overcome. All our heartache and all our pain. God our healer, he has overcome. Incredible words there. It's not just about, come on, let's be fearless. It's saying in the midst of our failing, in the midst of our pain, in the middle of everything that's going on, all our circumstances, we can take heart. A bit earlier on, John 14, 27, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is saying, he, again, he knew he was going and he said, I'm going to leave you my peace. You don't need to succumb to, to fear. You can have peace of heart and peace of mind. You see, the world is not going to bring peace through a vaccine, through provincial or national elections. I think many of us are waiting for the vaccine and saying, oh, I don't need to live in fear anymore. But that actually won't bring peace. It is only Jesus. Jesus is saying, I, I'm not, I don't give with, a, with an agenda. I give because it's in my nature and because I love you. I don't give because you are perfect. I give because I am perfect. So how does Jesus give us peace? He gives us peace because we can rely on what he's already done on the cross. We can, he gives us peace through his word, which guides us and teaches us. Through his body, his church community who support and grow us through his spirit who comforts us and empowers us. You see, his spirit, his word and his church all point us to him, to Jesus. We, the church, reflect Jesus and at the same time we point people to Jesus. And so we can have peace in the middle of our failure and in the middle of our fear. We can have peace in the middle of pandemic and loss. We can have peace in the middle of financial hardship and health issues. Why? Because we have Jesus, the bringer and giver of peace, the prince of peace, Isaiah tells us. So take heart. Take heart through his word. Take heart through his spirit. And can I say take heart through his church, through this church family? See, in this church, I fully believe there is an abundance of grace, more than enough so that when you and I have been the least like Jesus, and we have, haven't we? We can say to each other, take heart. For those of you that may be worried about coming back in person, not because of the virus of COVID, but maybe because of where our hearts have been and been taken, 
during COVID. Can I say this? You belong here because you see, church should be the best place to have your worst day. Dee. The best place to have your worst day. Um, last year in May, so it was the 4th of May to be precise, just after midnight, I had a phone call from my brother to say that my dad had passed away. Um, that day, I also had an assignment due for my master's that I was doing at the time. And I was also serving at our annual women's conference in London with 10,000 women. So not the best day to get that news. Um, and so propelled me into, a, I guess, a, a couple of weeks of just getting my head down and getting through. Um, I can only say that God helped me through that season because when I look back, it's a blur, um, but there's no other explanation other than God held me. He held my heart and he helped me get through. Like I said, it was head down, just plow on, get through. I felt numb. I had layers of grief that I didn't know how to process at that point because it just didn't seem to be the capacity to. And it wasn't until the end, towards the end of the year, that finally it all started to hit me wave after wave. And, and I'm sure many of you who have dealt with grief will understand that sense of the waves that just keep coming. And one minute you're absolutely fine and the next minute you're not at all. And I think in that end of year season, the end of 2019, like John's already mentioned, it was an interesting year, shall we say. But the times when I was at church and especially during worship, I just wept and wept and wept and certain songs triggered even more weeping. And it was, it was difficult to worship because of all of the weeping and the, the, I guess the, the pain that was there, but it was an incredibly healing experience and the atmosphere of worship was so important for that healing time. God met me there and what I later understood was that all the way through he'd held my heart even when I felt numb, even when I felt like there was this void in front of me, even when I felt the pain, even when I was angry, even when I didn't care anymore, he'd held my heart all the way through. When I doubted him, when I was angry, he'd never left me for a single moment. Even when my heart hurt and my heart failed, he never left me. He was my king. You see, I grew up in church, I'm a church kid through and through. Um, my parents, as some of you know, were, past were missionaries and then became pastors when I was born. And I grew up um, in Manchester. My family were incredibly loving and um, they brought us to church every single week. We were at Bible studies, prayer meetings, everything you could think to go to all the way through um, my childhood. And again, when I left to go to university, that was a time when I had to solidify my faith, but I never left the house of God. It was always a place where I knew that I had to be. And throughout those seasons, I'm 47 now, and throughout all of those years, there's obviously been highs and lows. There's been amazing times where the church has shone brilliantly and there's other times where I've seen her blemishes and you know all the way through the ups and downs of life um, 
I've always, always found myself in the house of God because I knew it was a place that I needed to be. And even through this season where we couldn't physically meet in church, I've still found myself in the house of God with my family, tuning in online and worshipping as always. Throughout the Bible, there are references to the church as a bride and the bride of Christ, particularly in the book of Revelations. It talks quite extensively about the wedding um, feast that's to come in eternity and, and Song, Song of Solomon alludes to it and also some of the Psalms which we'll look at in a moment but Revelation 19 verse 6 if I just turn to it it says then I heard what sounded like a great multitude like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah for our Lord God almighty reigns let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And then it says, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. You see, that speaks of radiance and beauty. Not glossy and shallow, not skin deep, but it's authentic, deep wonder. This radiant bride that is the bride of Christ, ready to be united with Jesus. And all that we do as the church, all that we are, is on behalf and because of our relationship with our King. I'm going to read Psalm 45, and this is my favourite psalm, and it always has been throughout my life. And this is how it goes. And just sit and listen, and maybe close your eyes and just listen, because it's just stunning. And it starts, My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skilful writer. You are the most excellent of men and your lips have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your side, you mighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride forth victoriously. In the cause of truth, humility and justice, let your right hand achieve awesome deeds. Let your sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. Let the nations fall beneath your feet. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. All your robes are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia from places adorned with ivory. The music of the strings makes you glad. Daughters of kings are among your honoured women. And at your right hand is the royal bride in gold of Ophir. Listen, daughter, and pay careful attention. Forget your people and your father's house. Let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honour him, for he is your lord. The city of Tyre will come with a gift. People of wealth will seek your favour. All glorious is the princess within her chamber. Her gown is interwoven with gold. In embroidered garments, she is led to the king. Her virgin companions follow her. Those brought to be with her, led in with joy and gladness, they enter the palace of the king. 
Your sons will take the place of your fathers. You will make them princes throughout the land. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. What a stunning picture. And I love that this psalm focuses more on the king than on the bride. He is beckoning her towards himself. And, you know, she's a radiant bride, but her radiance is his presence. You know, in this glossy, celebrity, selfie-obsessed society that we live in, often it's the outward appearance that we're focusing on. I just wonder, are we more focusing on the outward appearance of the bride than on the presence of the king that's within her? It's a challenge, but it's an invitation to seek him. It's an invitation to seek the king who's beckoning us ahead. And you know, who we are as a church is far more important than what we do because it's our identity as the beloved of the king. And out of that revelation, out of that relationship, we then understand that we are seen and therefore we're wanted and therefore extremely loved. And then we find our purpose. And, you know, no matter what our skill level, whatever our background, whatever our pain, he wants us and he can hold our heart when our heart fails. As John said, Jesus left us three things when he left um, the disciples. He left his word, his spirit and his body. And we, as the bride of Christ here today, have such an important place in this world and in society. You know, we're the vehicle that God uses to beckon in, to beckon others in, those who don't yet know him, those who maybe are just busy with life, maybe those who are feeling really isolated in this season, maybe because of COVID or because they're just isolated anyway in life, maybe those who are forgotten by society and aren't seen and wanted and loved, those who are maybe marginalized, or maybe those who have everything that they need or want and they're just comfortable and they're distracted by other things. You know, this year, like we've already mentioned, it's been an interesting year of introspection for many of us. And we can analyze so much that our hearts can fail. But you know, even when our hearts do fail, we need to remember that there's an invitation to come to the King, the one who holds our hearts. And you might be watching this and you might not have a background with church. You might not, like me, have grown up in church. Maybe you've never been to a church or maybe you've just happened upon this link and you're watching and you're thinking, what on earth is this all about? Well, we want to extend you an invitation. And there's a simple verse in Revelation 22, verse 17. It says, the spirit and the bride say, come, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. And I'm gonna hand back to John now, who's gonna lead us in a prayer. You know, one of the things that we as a church are passionate about is introducing people to Jesus. And as Dee said, maybe you're here and you've never, you've never heard Jesus talked about like this. You've never heard the church talked about like this. And I would love to extend you the invitation to come to Jesus right now. 
in a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer and I'd love for you to join in that prayer. I'd love to have the privilege maybe of praying with you. And then what we'd love you to do is contact us as a church and uh, we can help you on that journey because it's not just about this moment in time. It's about taking that first step on a journey and you join with us as a church on that journey as well. And we want to help you, we want to equip you and, uh, and take you on that journey. You're not just saying, I'm joining a church. I fully believe that that should be part of the process. You come and you become part of a community, you belong to a community. But what you're saying right at this moment is, Jesus, I accept you. I accept, as Dee spoke about a minute ago, I accept, accept that free gift of life. Maybe it has been a tough year for you. Maybe you have been isolated or maybe you've just been comfortable in life with everything that you need. But right at this moment, Jesus is saying, I love you. I accept you. Won't you come to me? I'd love to pray with you right now. So if you could bow your heads and let's pray together. Father God, I accept this free gift of life that you give me. I thank you that you died for me. Even in my mess, God, you still accept me and I thank you for that. And right now, I accept your love. I accept your life. I accept your hope for the future and I give my life to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd love to pray another prayer with you if I can because I know that there's probably some of you that are watching that could, that have really taken to heart what I've said about, you know, when we've been least like Jesus. And maybe that's what your year has felt like, not because of COVID, but because of the f what fear has done to your heart uh, during this year and maybe where your head's been as well. Jesus still says, take heart. When we're least like him, he still loves us. And so I'd love to pray with you into that moment, if, if that's okay. So let's pray if you know that I'm praying with you. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I thank you for those of us this year, the many of us, in fact, whose hearts have failed us. Maybe when we have succumbed to fear and we've, 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 we've felt like we, we shouldn't even be in your presence. But God, you say in those moments, take heart. I still love you. Even though you're least like me, I still love you. I still accept you. And uh, God, I thank you that you, you illustrated that so well with your story of the, of the prodigal son who came back to the father and the father opens his arms and throws his arms around the son and accepts him back, not as a, not as a servant, but as a son. And we thank you for that, God. I pray that you, I know that you accept us back. And I pray that our hearts will take courage in this moment. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, Circle, it has been such a privilege to preach for the first time. And I'm excited about that. Excited about hopefully getting out there really soon. I'm not quite sure when that's going to happen yet, but we, we're linking through in so many different ways. Hey church, obviously we've unpacked a bit of our heart in the, uh, in the preaching today and uh, the new series from the heart you're going to hear from a few more speakers across the next few weeks looking at, at who we are and I guess our heart for the church yeah. and, uh, and also, you know, not just that but unpacking the word of God as well and bringing our stories into that over the next few weeks. But right now we're going to come around and we're going to receive communion together. 
you know, usually we do this in church, don't we? Mm. Uh, but we're all in our homes right now. And I think let's not, let's not bypass the actual, the positives of what we can do. Because often when we're in a church, in a big environment, we, we go into our, just me and Jesus. So it's our mm. personal relationship. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when we're in our homes, we can actually make it more yeah, about us together, mm. taking communion together. So that's what we're going to do right now. And uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a savoury person. Whereas D, you're much more. I of a like dessert. my desserts after a lovely meal. Yeah. I do. It's funny when you know you get to, she'll get to the end of a, a main course and be completely full, but there's this extra stomach it, that seems especially to for creme brulee. That's there's an extra stomach for that. Yeah, we're taking yeah. communion. We're not going into dessert now. But one of the problems, I, I love starters, I really do. But what I've noticed is I can sometimes rush through a starter to, to get to a really yeah. nice main course, especially if it's steak. And, uh, you know, you, you, like, you miss all the subtleties of the flavours of the starter because you're so desperate to get to the main course. And I think sometimes we can do that with the Word of God when we're reading. Especially, you know, if it's a story or an account that we love and we've read so many times before, we can actually, we can mix, miss the context or just the, the starters of that. And, and when we're reading about communion, one of the things that I've done, and I've read this account so many times from Luke, mm. that I've missed a couple of the flavours of it. And I want to read that because I think it's, it, it just shows the importance of communion. So let me read this to you, Luke 22. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And then we go into, you know, what he says about the, the bread and the wine. But there's a phrase here that he's used that I've, I've read so many times, yet missed it every single time. And it says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. Have you ever thought about that? I have eagerly desired. Jesus is saying to his, his friends, I just couldn't wait That's to hang amazing. out with you. Yeah. I couldn't wait to hang out with you and, and prepare you for what's to come. You know, we, we looked at in, when I was preaching or when we were preaching earlier, Jesus was preparing his disciples for the fact that they were going to fail him. Yet right in this thing, in this account, Jesus is saying, I was so excited because this thing that we've done so many times together, and you've probably done it so many times with your family, this Passover feast, I wanted to do it with you. I was excited. I eagerly desired. I was looking forward to, to just spending time with you, but putting a new spin, a new meaning into something that is old. Because they'd all taken Passover many, many yeah. times. True. And Jesus mm. is saying, there's something new that's going to happen here. And I couldn't wait to unpack it yeah, wow. with you. And that's what he's doing. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes we can, we can rush through the starter and we can miss those subtleties of Jesus saying, I was really excited to hang out with you guys and take communion. Because he goes on and then he, he sort of unpacks the, the, when they take the, the cup, it's the cup of the new promise. But his body and then the bread, his body was broken for us. And he actually, he actually, in doing this, he uses our senses, those things that would be in everyday use, our taste buds. And he's saying, 
when you when you eat this bread anything that tastes like it you're going to be reminded of what i've done for you when you drink this wine again you're going to be reminded because it's in everyday use but you're going to be brought back to this sacrifice and the love that i have for you so right now we're going to we're going to take communion and uh, if you're in your families then why don't you do that together as a family and uh, and then after we've done that i'm going to pray together so right now if you want to take the cup and uh, and jesus says this after taking the cup he gave thanks and said take this and divide it among you for i tell you i will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of god comes so right now why don't you take the Take the juice and whatever and be reminded of Jesus' blood that was shed for us. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it, gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So right now, why don't you take the biscuit and be reminded of Jesus's body that was broken for us to show how much he loves us to bring us wholeness and healing in our lives yeah. we're going to pray with you right now father God I thank you that today the first Sunday of the year, we can be reminded of who you are and what you've done for us. God, I thank you. I thank you even in this moment, you're still excited. You were excited then to share Passover, but you're still excited to share communion with us in, in our homes, but also corporately as the church as well. Yeah. I pray, God, that every time we 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 eat the bread or drink the the juice god that we will be brought back to that place of your incredible love and your incredible sacrifice for us in the name of jesus amen amen lord i thank you for our church i thank you that the church was your plan all along lord to um provide lord that community of people to to worship you together to find purpose in you together lord and to to um to shine your light into this world and i just thank you lord that this coming year is a year of blessing i thank you lord that your word says that where there's unity that you command a blessing and i and i thank you lord that we can speak that over this year lord that yeah you have you've blessings in store that we have no idea about and we just thank you in advance amen amen hey praying that you have a, a great week this mm. first week of uh 2021 yeah. uh we know that 2020 was a, an incredible year that none of us could yeah. have predicted <laughs> and uh, you know one of the things that's happened is that financially many people have been broken yeah. um, and mentally many people have been broken mm -hmm. as well and so we as a church you know corporately we want to pray with you and if you've got yeah. need right now maybe even put it put it through on the chat or you know, contact one of us as pastors and we'd love to pray with you uh, and do whatever we can to help you in this time. But we're believing that 2021 is going to be an incredible year, that we're going to see fruit yes. from, uh, I guess, from the <laughs> God breaking up the fallow ground of mm -hmm. our lives in 2020. We've seen, we've seen fruit in 2020, I know that, because mm -hmm. we've had dis people make decisions to follow Jesus, yeah. people being yeah. baptised as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. So... Have a blessed week and uh, we will see you soon. We're still in the UK, 
But uh, who knows what news we're coming, coming soon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye. See ya. Bye.